Welcome to the Gifted to Give podcast. I am Brother Gian. If you're new to podcasting, you're in the right place. I can't wait to share to all of you how wonderful God is as we celebrate the 500 years of Christianity in the Philippines. Good day, listeners. We have once again Monsignor Achilles Dakai as he will preach and teach to us the good news of the gospel for this Sunday, April 11, 2021. We have a great number of listeners, downloads, and interactions. We at Gifted to Give Podcast would like to thank everyone for their support. To formally start our Bible study with Monsignor Achilles Dakai, I would like to invite everyone for this prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Dear Father, we would like to praise and thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing Monsignor Dakai to give his Bible study to every one of us. We are really appreciative of him and for his message for us. Thank you, Father, for allowing him to be a part of our Sunday and for letting us experience your great love and mercy through Monsignor Dakai. We would also like to thank everyone who give their questions, their time, and for allowing them to hear and reflect on your message to each and every one of us. For this we ask and we pray to Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now, without further ado, please join us in welcoming Monsignor Achilles Dakai. Good morning to all of you, wherever you are. Good morning to you on this second Friday of the month of April. And uh, Happy Easter to you all on this sixth day of the octave of Easter within the Easter season. Happy Easter to all of you, to all your families, relatives, and friends. I hope that the Holy Week was really holy for us too, that it made somehow holy Santos o Santa, dili lang ang Simana Santa. Within this Easter season, which by the way, we last till Pentecost. That's the eighth Sunday of Easter. We shall be reading about our Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Christ. So all or most of the of the readings, especially the gospel, will all be focused on that event on the life of Christ, his resurrection. Next Sunday, God willing, will be the second Sunday of Easter. Every second Sunday of Easter, be it cycle A, B, or C, the gospel of the Lord to be proclaimed at the Mass, especially in the morning Mass, is always the gospel according to St. John in his chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. This is a very important event in the life of Christ, 
because I repeat, we have to always focus on who Christ is, who died, who rose from the dead, and who precisely will be ascending up to heaven, etc. So, we now would like to request kindly Sister Jillian to read for us chapter 20, verses 19 to 31 of John. So, take your Bible copies, open them to St. John, chapter 20, starting from 19, verse. Please, Jillian. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, was one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, the disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hand, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. Thank you, Gillian. And at once may I let you know that this gospel has actually three parts. The first part is from 819 to 22, when Jesus appeared in person after rising from the dead to his ten apostles. They were there, locked together, because they were all miserable. 
We know that misery loves company. That's why they were all locked inside that room and Jesus appeared to them. This part of the gospel will be read again on Pentecost Sunday. So John 20, 19-22 will be read again on that eighth Sunday of Easter called Pentecost Sunday. The second half of this, the, the second part of this gospel is exclusively John's own writing. No other evangelist has written about this, what happened when on the next week, next Sunday, Jesus appeared again, this time to the 11 of them, with Thomas in there with them. But again, this is not about Thomas. Thomas, as we know, has his own feast day on July 3. And this second part of the Gospel, part 2, will be read then, July 3. And so, for me, since these two parts have already been read and reflected on several times, every year, every year. So I'd like to sound different. I'd like to focus our refle reflection on the part three from 29 to 31. Because this one, this part two, these verses have not been reflected on often so I take this opportunity to reflect on them now this Sunday second Sunday of Easter by the way is also called Divine Mercy Sunday and precisely Jesus as Divine Mercy showed himself miserable to the merciful to the miserable how by standing right in the midst of them he placed himself in the shoes of the miserable divine mercy and uh, he gave to them what they needed peace second part we have Thomas, also one who became miserable, and when he rejoined the tent, Jesus appeared to him and told them to touch him because that's what he needed. He told the tent, you only have videoed Christ. I would like to digital him, to touch him. And so he touched the Lord but then I repeat, this is not about Thomas. This is about Jesus Christ. So I would like you to focus your attention and affection on the last three or verses. First of all, yes, he said to Thomas, you have come to believe in me, Thomas, because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet they still believe. That's what we are now. We are men and women of faith. 
we have not seen Jesus Christ in person, but we believe in what he has said and done. And that's precisely what the part three is all about. St. John, and he alone has said this in his first conclusion, because he has actually two conclusions to his gospel. The first conclusion, he says, that Jesus Christ, in the presence of his disciples, did many miracles. He did many signs. Signs, because the miracles are significant, important. But, John says, not all could be written in this book. But what has been written, all these things written, have been written down precisely that you may believe, even if you have not seen him, you may believe in him. And through your faith, you may have life. Wow, that is what we are supposed to be and to have. Jesus, therefore, performed many miracles. John alone, John, has recorded seven, seven miracles. All of them significant, all of them important. If I may mention them, his first miracle was in Cana in Galilee when he changed water to wine. Then he has another miracle when he raised to life the dead daughter of Chiros. Then he multiplied the loaves of bread in Bethsaida. Then he walked on the water on the lake of Tiberias. Then he cured one man born blind. And then he raised Lazarus back to life. There are actually seven of them, but I invite you to focus your attention and reflection on just the three of them. The, multi the, the changing of water to wine, the multiplication of the loaves of bread, and the walking on the water. Why? Because these three are Eucharistic in content. I have said this many times before. These are the three answers to the three questions regarding the Eucharist. The first question, could Jesus do, do it? Did he have the power to do it? And he said, we say yes, because in Cana in Galilee, when he changed water into wine, he precisely showed, he revealed himself as having power over wine. Then in Bethsaida, when he multiplied the loaves of bread, he was actually revealing himself as having power over bread. And then when he walked on the waters of Galilee, Sea of Galilee or Tiberias or Gennesaret, he was showing, he was revealing himself as having power over his own body. That's the answer to the first question, could he do it? And the second is, why would he do it? Because we know 
that Jesus said that he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. In other words, his purpose is that we may eat him and therefore would feel the same as he does because we are what we eat. The third question, did he do it? We say yes, and we say this at every Mass we celebrate. Jesus took bread. He broke it, he blessed it, and said to his apostles, take this all of you and eat of it, for this is my body. This is my body which will be given up to you. And then he took a chalice and he said, take all of you this and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then he said, do this in memory of me. So that's what we are doing. This, this body, this blood, and do this. We priests, by virtue of our priestly ordination, have been precisely gifted with this privilege of doing this day after day, mass after mass. The question is, how should we be doing it? This is what I would like precisely to elaborate because yes, we say Mass every day, yes, you attend Mass every day, but the question is how well have we done it? And the answer to the question how well is precisely taken from those three events in the life of Christ. In Cana of Galilee, Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. Only John has said that there were six stone water jars. Each could contain 20 or 30 gallons. When the servants were told to fill the jars, six stone water jars with water, what did they do? They filled them to the brim, to the brim, puno as in puno. They filled up according to the best they could do. That's one nice thing. If we have to do this, if we have to receive communion, etc. We should do it as well as we can, to the brim. Secondly, in Bethsaida, after they had eaten from the bread multiplied by Jesus, 500, 5,000 of them, men, not counting the women and children, Jesus said to his apostles, Gather all the pieces left over. And what do we read? The twelve apostles filled 
twelve baskets of fragments. Filled twelve baskets, not shopping baskets, but wicker baskets. Each apostle had to carry, therefore, a basket full of fragments. That is how we should do it. At Mass, we should not waste a bit. We should not waste anything. We should try to do as best as we can at Mass. And thirdly, on the Sea of Galilee, when Jesus walked on the waters, first of all, they were terrified, but Jesus identified himself by saying, Take courage. Do not be afraid. It is I. And when the disciples who were fishing then recognized Jesus, they willingly took him into the boat. And he willingly got into the boat with them. And what happened? With Jesus with them, the winds died down. So that is the third point. If we want to do this as well as we can, we should try to let Jesus be in us, that we be conscious of our state of life, that we should be in the state of grace. Although Mass may be valid, even if whoever celebrates it may not be worthy at that time, but this is it. We are now challenged precisely to do this in memory of me, Jesus said, as well as we can, to the brim, and then like the apostles to gather all the fragments, don't waste anything from the beginning to the end. And lastly, when we celebrate Mass, we should try to be in the state of grace before God and men. This is how we are advised by Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta. He has, she has been advising us, O priest of God, celebrate the Mass as if it were your first Mass, your last Mass, and your only Mass. In other words, just as I remember the first Mass we said years ago, we were all prepared for it. We were all prim and proper and punctual. So we tried to do that, and until now, we tried to do the same. So th this is our contribution to our celebration of the 500th anniversary of Christianity in the Philippines. Because next Sunday, April 11th, will be the very first day of the so-called Triduum celebrations. And therefore, within the Triduum, the first act on that day will be the confirmation of some people gathered in the archdiocese inside the, the National Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe 
there will be the confirmations there on Sunday. And therefore, we priests should try to also contribute to this celebration by striving, struggling always to say the Mass as well as we can to the brim, etc. So this is, for me, the way we should look at this Gospel for next Sunday. I repeat, it has three parts. I repeat, we have been reflecting on the part one and the part two many times, but this last Gospel, this last part of the Gospel, has not been so re reflected on. And so today, this Friday, looking forward to next Sunday, I say this is what we are then challenged to do within this 500th year celebration of our Christianity in the Philippines. If the two apostles or two disciples on the way to Emmaus, if they recognized Christ at the breaking of bread, we therefore who break the bread in persona Christi at Mass, we should not only be recognizing Christ, but that we be recognized as Christians. That is the great challenge for all of us. Priests also must try to be as good as they could be and do what they could do more. So here we have a gospel that can be previewed, viewed, and reviewed. I say that every gospel can be previewed by precisely looking into the background of who the evangelist was and has written this gospel. Then we view it in the text and then we review it for applications. So there are different angles, there are different uh, aspects, and there are different applications from one and the same gospel. So this is it. And now I pause for some of your reflections. You can reflect from different angles and aspects and applications. And I expect you to raise your questions on this matter. Now I pause for such reflections and questions that you may make. last Good Friday, you did not say much about the crucifixion and last Easter. Sunday, not much either about the resurrection and now you are, tell, you are talking about miracles. My question is, why do you sound different from others? 
<laughs> I'm glad you have noticed that difference that I have sounded. It is like this. Take this gospel according to John, chapter 20. Year after year, this has been read and reflected on. On a personal note, since the year 2000 to this year 2021, there has been seven cycles of A, B, C, and imagine 21 years, 21 second Sundays of, the, of Easter. We have been reflecting on the same gospel and mostly focusing on the same aspects or angles. I have tried to be different. I have tried to sound different by precisely focusing on a verse that has not been read well or reflected on well. That's why instead of focusing or talking about the crucifixion last Friday, what did I do? I focused my reflection on the words of Jesus to Mary and to John who were standing there at the foot of the cross. Woman, behold your son and behold your mother. This has been my focus instead of the crucifixion because the crucifixion has always been talked about. On Sunday, instead of talking about how Jesus rose from the dead by leaving the empty tomb and the clothes, I ask you to focus on how Mary Magdalene was running excited to Simon and John and how John and Simon outran each other to the tomb. For me, that excitement, that eagerness, that enthusiasm was the fruit, the result of their initial belief in the resurrection. That's why I focused on that. And this Sunday, precisely because the first part and the second part have always been reflected on, and this last part, the conclusion of the gospel, has not been read often or reflected on. That's why I take the, upper, the, the liberty of focusing our attention on this third part. These signs, miracles are written down so that you may believe, he said, and through your faith you may have life. That's what John has said. Another question. Good morning, Monsignor. Belated 61, 61st anniversary of your priesthood. My question is, is it right and just for us to choose the Mass because of the celebrant? <laughs> of course, it is your freedom of choice. But you can only say that in the city because you have so many parishes, so many priests that you can choose. But in the provinces, when you have the same priests, week after week, Sunday after Sunday, you have no choice. Besides, a mass 
whoever celebrates it is valid and valuable. And so, of course, you hope that the priest himself should accept the challenge to do this in memory of me to the brim. He should try to change himself for the better. In the meantime, you pray for him as he starts the Mass, as he starts his homily, as he ends the Mass, pray for him that he would change for the better. But I repeat, you have the freedom of choice in the city, but not in the province. Next question. Hello, Mons. Good morning. As lectors assigned, how can we contribute to the celebration of the Mass to the brim, whoever is the celebrant? <laughs> In his apostolic letter, how to make holy the Lord's Day, precisely has mandated, not just recommended, not just suggested, but mandated, that during the week, the priest should bring together all those who actively participate at Mass, the lectors, the collectors, the choir, the Eucharistic ministers, the acolytes. Why? They should study the Bible during the week, focusing on the readings of the Sunday liturgy, so that all, all will be feeling the theme, the message of the Sunday Gospel. So everyone should contribute. Everyone should contribute to the proper celebration of the Mass. You lectors, you are advised to not only to read, but to proclaim from the Old Testament, from the letter of St. Paul, and the priest as well, more so, he must proclaim the gospel. How? For example, Pagbasa, Gikan sa unang suwat ni San Pablo ngadto sa mga taga-Korinto. Kinanglan, the same level of tonality. Not nga pagbasa, gikan sa unang suwat ni San Pablo ngadto sa taga-Korinto. Dili na mao. When you proclaim, you must hold your breath to the end of every sentence. That way, you make yourself heard, not only by yourself, but by the last guy on the last row. See to it that as lectors, you proclaim, you do your part also to the brim. Do it as well as you can, so that you are aware that you are helping the celebration, the proper celebration of a Mass by doing your job well and good. Next question. Is fasting one hour before receiving Holy Eucharist still in fleck? How about drinking liquids? 
I remember after the Vatican II, when this was, this ruling was changed from fasting from midnight till communion time. It has been changed to just one hour before communion time. That's why they would ask, uh, how do, when do you start to count the, the one hour? Is it after the, the last hungit uh, or to the start of the homily? <laughs> the main idea is to prepare yourself hungering for the bread of life. You should feel hungry for this bread of life that you Because if you fill yourself with food for the body, then no room, we will say, for food for the soul, for the thought. And so I remember I was invited to a, a retreat in Karkar, and some old people were saying, Father, we were from the hour younger days, we were commanded to fast from 12 o'clock before communion. But now, only one hour. The question is, are we credited for what we had been doing? <laughs> I said, yes, everything that we did before the Vatican II, of course, have been accounted for. So, that's it. Water does not at all break the fasting. Only food. Don't eat. Keep yourself hungry for Christ who has said, I am the bread of life. Next question, Your. Good morning, Monsignor. When we gather all fragments in attending Mass, do you mean all our sins that we offer to God? Let me see. We start off precisely with the so-called penitential rite. When the priest says, my brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins so as to prepare ourselves for this sacrifice of the Mass. How then do you acknowledge your sins? In Cebuano we say, Pag Hinulsul. To strike your breast once and then you go to the root cause of your sinfulness. Okay. That is where you are repentant. But as to forgiveness of sins, you of course now make the act of contrition. But until and unless you go to confession inside the confessional box, to a priest, your sins remain unforgiven. It is God who forgives. It is the priest who says, I absolve you from your sins because I, we have been authorized to do this. Precisely the first part of next Sunday's Mass will also be about forgiveness, but I do not precisely want to talk about that because that has been talked about many times, many where. We should learn a lesson from St. Augustine. I, I told you this before. When he was made a bishop, 
after he was ordained a priest, after converted from being a sinner. Every time he would celebrate a Mass, whoever would attend it, one or one hundred, he would always deliver a sermon. I told you this before that one day he celebrated Mass. Bishop Augustine of Hippo, and only one old woman was attending the Mass. And yet, St. Augustine began by saying, My brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ. After the Mass, the old woman approached the bishop and said, Bishop, I was the only one who attended your Mass, and you addressed me as my brothers and sisters. And the answer of Bishop Augustine of Hippo was, Woman, one soul is diocese enough for a bishop. That's how important, how important, how significant a sacrament of the Holy Eucharist is. It is good for one and for many. So the challenge is to the priest, to the celebrant, to try to be as good as he could be and to do as well as he could be to the brim. Proper, prepared, punctual. Three P's I advise my brother priest to remember. When you come to the altar, proper attire, attitude, proper, prepare not only the liturgy text but the sermon especially and punctual on time. Proper, prepared and punctual are the three P's of a joyful celebrant. Monsignor, you mentioned the freedom that begins on April 11. What is this freedom for? When are the next two? The, the which one? You mentioned the freedom that begins oh. on April 11. <laughs> you see, April 14 is the anniversary of the first baptism done in Cebu to King Humabon and company. So, starting April 11 to 14, there will be three days. There will be three days. On the very first day, Sunday, there will be confirmations. Second day, maybe April 12 or 13, there will be baptism of adults. And, of course, the April 14 would be the celebration of that first baptism. We will reenact that first baptism, challenging us, reminding us all of how we are expected to behave according to our belief, according to our baptism. 
we have therefore to be reminded that when we were baptized, our parents, our sponsors, promised for us to reject Satan, to believe in the Trinity. Now that we are of age, we have to do that ourselves. Are we rejecting Satan, his works and his promises? Are we believing firmly in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the Church, etc.? So that is how we, you should participate in these three days of celebrations to commemorate the 500 years of Christianity in the Philippines. Thank you for this session, Monsignor. This will surely guide us to our best to do our part to attend the Holy Mass to the brim. I just hope the parish priest will be aware of the loud singing of the choir as background during the spiritual communion prayer. We cannot focus for those who attend the Mass on the line. Hope the singing will start after the prayer. Thank you again, Monsignor. That's true. You know, the choir now has to be seated, kneeling, standing among the congregation. There was a time when the choir stayed on a loft, choir loft, there behind. But now the choir members must stand with the congregation. So. The same thing with the lectors. The lectors should not be in the, on the level with the priests. The lectors should really be seated also among the assembly as well as the Eucharistic ministers and the collectors. The priest and the acolytes, yes, on his own level behind the altar. Let's try to organize ourselves for a better liturgy of the Word and of the Eucharist. Monsignor, it is not sometimes always possible for us churchgoers to make Jesus must be with us, within us. As many distractions come to our minds, how may we struggle to improve those situations? To be distracted is easy. Just open your eyes, your ears, you look around. But if you focus your eyes on what you are reading or your ears to what you are hearing, you won't be distracted. But that needs practice. How can you practice when you have your cell phone with you? You will be tempted to listen to the video or listen to the audio, um, see the video. Be proper yourself. Be prim and proper and prepare yourself to hear Mass. So, distractions will come if you open your eyes and your ears aside from what you are supposed to look at and listen to. That's why I pity those who sit themselves outside the church because there are white chairs placed there outside. 
What do they do? Magtinambid, magagbayay, magsigig cellphone while the mass is going on. If Protestants, Mormons pass by and notice us like that, do you think they will say, wow, that's how Catholics worship outside the church and doing this and doing that? We should all be congregated. We should all assemble within the church and as one people of God in worship. Good morning, Monsignor. There are still many Catholics who are not aware of the Triduum Mass. How will the church make this known to them? This is precisely the challenge now. We are gifted with this faith. We are gifted with this belief in the Holy Mass. We believe that God has commanded us to make holy the Lord's Day. We believe that the church has commanded us to attend Mass on Sundays and days of obligation. We just have to make them aware of their respect for God who has commanded and for the church who has commanded. Because as we have been saying, if we love the commander, it is easier, less difficult for us to obey the commands. Is the blessing of the fire and water the same as the Easter Mass? I hope you understood why there was such a blessing of fire and of water. The fire, as you know, has been mentioned by Christ. John the Baptist said that Christ will baptize you with spirit, water spirit, and fire. Fire, as we know, has a purpose, not just to burn houses, but also once fire determines and distinguishes and makes different the genuine from the fake diamond. When a diamond is placed into the fire, into the hasuhasan, the, the, it can distinguish the true from the false, the genuine from the fake, etc. So that's a good reminder for us, not only that the fire lights our way, but precisely it can also make difference in us and the water as we know is precisely the, the holy water at baptism and so these are two materials that we should try to make good use of when we make the sign of the cross we make them with the holy water etc and we write a candle light a candle because a lighted candle has light in it and uh, precisely heat. So that's it. I hope I have somehow given some tips as to how to celebrate as priest Mass to the brim and how you as parishioners attending Mass should try to contribute to the proper, prepared, and punctual celebration of 
the mass. That way, mass will always be the center and the circumference of our lives. And that's what I always hope to do or try to do and teach others to do the same. Do this in memory of me, Jesus said. So this is it. Today is Friday, second Friday of April, the sixth day of the octave of Easter, but the first day of the Three Dome will be on Sunday, the second and the third. So this is it. We should rejoice and be glad, for we are still very much alive in spite of COVID-19, or thanks to the vaccine that we received yesterday. Yeah. We have all been vaccinated. So here I pause for the final blessing. The Lord be with you. May the Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Goodbye. Ciao. Hasta la vista. Wow, that was an amazing talk given by Monsignor Achilles Dakai. We are so grateful for the Lord for sending Monsignor Dakai to share God's Word to all of us. We would like to thank again Monsignor Achilles Dakai and also to our heartfelt gratitude goes to all of you who joined, interacted, and asked a question for Monsignor Dakai. Hear more from Monsignor Dakai again next weekend. This is once again the Gifted to Give podcast for your ears only. I am Brother Gian signing off. Have a blessed Sunday to all and to God be the glory. And a very happy Easter to all. You have just listened to the Gifted to Give podcast with your host, Brother Gian, Brother John, and Father Jojo. Catch our next episode. This episode of the Gifted to Give podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to our Facebook page at 500 Years of Christianity, Archdiocese of Cebu. If you love the Gifted to Give podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review everywhere you listen to your podcast. Till next time.